Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the pastoral epistles with this message entitled, Grace Does Good Works, preached May the 31st, 2015. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Friends, as we already said, you are here by divine appointment. You are here because God the Father drew you to this place. And therefore, pay attention, listen, believe, call upon the name of the Lord that you may be saved. I say God's grace saves us and the same grace enables us to obey God, to do good works. We don't do good works in order to be saved. Because we are sinners, we cannot keep God's law in its entirety at any time. So we are saved on the basis of the merit of Jesus Christ, who kept the law perfectly. But now we are saved by Christ's merit. We are enabled by grace to do good works. And if you do not obey God as a Christian, you are not a Christian. Doing good works demonstrates that you have been saved by Christ by grace. So grace saves us and grace enables us to do good works. Jesus Christ, God's son, saves the elect sinners from God's wrath. That they may hear and do God's will with great zeal. Titus 2 and verse 14. Grace that saves us from sin also enables us to do good works immediately, exactly and with joy. Wicked sinners asks like Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey him? It is a heresy, friends, to believe that a person can receive Jesus as Savior and yet refuse to obey him as Lord. As believers... Everyone must obey the Lord Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? The gospel must be lived out in the world. In Christ, we are the light of the world. The world is darkness, moral darkness. Good works we do by grace demonstrate our justification by grace. Remember what Jesus said when he gave the great commission to the apostles Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Friends, grace saves 
us from our sins. Grace works. Good works. Grace even rewards our good works. And grace glorifies God. So first, from this text, Christians obey civil authorities. Pastor Titus is to remind Cretan Christians to live an obedient life before rulers and authorities appointed by God. You may say, Pastor Titus, you preached this before. And Pastor Titus would say, friends, I am doing my job by reminding you because we often forget. Bible repeats often the same teaching. And so let us look at this chapter 3 of Titus 1 and 2. It speaks about seven things that we should do. Seven good works we should do in relation to civil rulers and all people. First, to be subject to all governing authorities, as Jesus himself did. John 18, Jesus said, You have no authority. Your authority is given to you by my Father. And so also Romans 13. And you can read my book on Romans. Everyone must submit himself to governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against God himself. Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Believers are truly citizens of heaven. But... They are also citizens of earth. You travel around and say, I'm a citizen of heaven. You don't go any place. You must show a passport. Paul was a Roman citizen. So we must submit to all God-delegated authorities. Government, friends, exist to punish evil and promote good Cretans did not like living under the Roman colonial rule ever since 67 BC Titus was to teach them to submit to all governing authorities number two they are to be obedient they were to pay taxes and pray for the rulers and authorities. They must render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. 
They must obey except when demanded to disobey our Lord Jesus Christ. As we read in Acts 5, Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. And then he said, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. You see, you cannot get away from obedience. If you don't obey the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. Number three, be ready to whatever good, whatever good work need doing. Christians must volunteer, be the light of the city, take every opportunity to mix with non-Christians by doing good work. Jesus himself mixed with unbelievers regularly. It is our duty because we are the light of the world. Number four, don't slander anyone and destroy their reputation God will surely judge those who slander people destroyed the reputation of Jesus by the lie that he was casting out demons not by the Holy Spirit but by Beelzebub a senior demon number five not be quarrelsome There are Christians who are always ready to fight. Be gentle and uncontentious in our social life. Number six, be fair. That is reasonable, considerate, conciliatory, yielding and not insisting our own way whenever possible. And seventh, demonstrate true humility toward all people, especially to unbelievers. Remember Jesus. He was humble and gentle in heart. Friends, we are the light of the world, I said. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven that they may be evangelized by our good works. Number two, our past works. Remember our past works, past bad works. When we lived as sinners, Titus 3 and verse 3. Friends, it is good to reflect our past life that we may be able to sympathize with sinners, to love them and share the good news of the gospel. You want to know what you were? Let me read it to you. Romans 1, 28 and following. And it says... Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. 
think about homosexuality. Ought not to be done, but the depraved mind is given, so they say it must be done. That's what the functioning of depraved mind. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. They are slanderers and God haters. Understand the biblical truth about anthropology. We were pervasively evil. We were conceived in sin, born sinners to practice sin. Are we getting better and better every day, sir? That's a depraved mind that says that. We were living in sin as enemies, enemies of God, when in love God saved us. We were evil in our intellect, our mind, our will, and our affections. Totally incapable of doing anything to please God the Holy One. And so he lists seven deadly sins we committed before God saved us. First, I know a toy. Ignorant. PhD. God says ignorant. We were ignorant. Paul does not say you were ignorant. He says we were ignorant. He includes himself. In other words, Paul reflects his own sinful past. And we read in 1 Timothy 1, there he reflects on his own past. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appoint me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy. The grace of our Lord was poured out upon me abundantly. It's good to reflect our own past. It is a medicine for arrogance. We were ignorant of knowing the true and living God. We were idol worshippers. We were foolish and obtuse. In one sense, we knew God from creation and conscience, but we suppressed that knowledge by doing zealously all kinds of sins. Friends, we were worst sinners. As we read in Ephesians 4, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in man due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Number two. Apetes, meaning willfully disobedient to God and all his delegated authorities, such as 
parents, pastors, magistrates, teachers, and so on. Willfully disobedient. You want to know who we were before Jesus found us. Here is a description in Romans 8. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. Number three, planomenoi. Deceived. Devil deceived them. Sin deceived them. We were deluded and led astray by false teachers. In chapter 1 of Titus verse 16, they claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable. The Greek is excrement. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good in the sight of God, that is. 2 Timothy 3 While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. And 1 Timothy 4 the spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and I have observed that and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. All the time they maintain. They are walking with God. Number four. Do you want us enslaved? We were slaves of passions and pleasures. Slaves of various kinds of bodily urges. 2 Timothy 3, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Friends, we were addicts. In Second Peter chapter 2, they will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. Eyes full of adultery. They never stop sinning. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam and so on. You want to know more about our past lives, sir? Galatians 5, the acts of sinful nature are very obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
Number five, diagontes, meaning spending their time, wasting their time in malice and envy. Malice and envy were consuming them like cancer. Malice toward all and charity toward none. Believed in ill will toward others. And we cannot endure the success of others. Like Cain who killed his own brother Abel. And the Bible says out of malice and envy. They crucified Jesus Christ. Number six to get toy. We were God hating and hated by others. We were disgusting and detestable. And finally, misuntus alleluus. Hating one another. This is the climax of human depravity. Husband and wife cannot get along. And their family cannot get along. Hating one another. Hating God. Therefore hating one another. All these seven deadly sins are anti-God. Therefore anti-social. Unbelievers are incapable of true love. Which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Sin is self-centeredness, causing society to fall apart. Friends, only salvation by Jesus Christ enables us to love God and one another and to do good work. So number three, the saving work of God in the present time, four through seven. Thank God for divine interposition. Thank God for his good work of salvation. While we were sinning against God, God our Savior appeared in the midst of us in Jesus Christ to save us from all lawlessness and wickedness. Titus told us in chapter 2, 11 through 14. Like the Son, he appeared in Jesus to deliver us from our interior moral darkness. We were blind, but now we see. We see God, first of all question is what motivated God to do this we are told his goodness and his love for sinful mankind grace and mercy motivated him so we read John 3:16. for God so loved the world means world of sinners that he gave his One and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have 
eternal life. Or Second Timothy 1. God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. But because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed. Through the appearing of our savior Christ Jesus. Who has destroyed death. And has brought life and immortality to light. Through the gospel sir. As I am preaching, life and immortality is coming to you. We deserved hell. In Jesus, God gives us heaven. We merited eternal death. In Jesus, God gives us eternal life. God the Father, Titus says, is our Savior. And his son Jesus Christ is our Savior. God planned our salvation. Jesus Christ accomplished it by his atoning sacrifice. And the Holy Spirit applies salvation to each elect sinner in the now, sir. As you hear the word of God. As you believe. As you call upon the name of the Lord. You are saved. Christ died to save us. When we were powerless. Still sinners. And when we were God's enemies. So Ephesians 2 we read but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Not only God's wrath was revealed against us Romans 1 but thank God His righteousness apart from our works was also revealed for our benefit. Friends, understand this. His wrath was poured upon Jesus in its entirety. That God in Christ give us his righteousness gratis. Friends, God justifies the ungodly to make them godly. God in Christ forgives all of our sins. God also adopts us to be his children. Now we are heirs of God in Christ. Do you want to know something about who you were? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 28 through 30 he chose the lowly things of this world what about your resume sir everybody is working hard and lying on the resume to making them appear better than they are he chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things the things that are not mean zeros Nothings he chose to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. 
God transforms sinners to be his saints and sons and daughters. He judged his own sinless son in our place. Therefore God is just and justifier of those who believe in Jesus, the eternal son of God. Friends, listen. Isaac is spared and you are spared. Isaac is spared of death and a ram was killed in his stead. A ram that pointed to Jesus, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Let's understand God's goodness and love, philanthropia for us sinners. He did not spare his own son but gave him up to the horrible, shameful death of the cross for our salvation sir he went to hell on the cross that we could sit with him in heaven as I said God in eternity in Christ planned our salvation his son in time accomplished our salvation the Holy Spirit the spirit of the father and the son now applies the great salvation to every elect sinner Friends, God saves us not on the ground of works which we did in righteousness as sinners. You want me to tell you what you did? Isaiah says, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. glory about our past and your pedigree and your father and your mother they all are sinners steeped in sin and a picture is given in Zechariah 3 now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel the angel said to those who are standing before him take home his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. That's what happened. Double transaction. He took away our sin and he gave us his own divine, perfect, unimpeachable righteousness. He does this through a spiritual inner washing of filth of sin. Resulting in regeneration and renewal. That which is born of the flesh, sinful flesh, is flesh. And that which is born of the Holy Spirit, is spirit. Let me read to you about mercy. What's the basis, sir, for our salvation? God's goodness and what, sir? Love for sinful men. Mercy, there was great. And so here it is. 
For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but God's mercy, he saved us. And here it is, Romans 9, what if God choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath? prepared for destruction what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy whom he prepared for what sir glory thank God we are prepared for glory thank God that we are objects of mercy Ezekiel said this I will sprinkle Clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and will give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and careful to keep my laws. That's God's plan, sir. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, or male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Or Second Thessalonians 2, but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit through belief in the truth. The water baptism cannot regenerate a sinner. So Titus is not speaking about water baptism. When he speaks about washing. Giving us new life. Which we never had. Is the work of the Holy Spirit alone. Lazarus was dead and was buried. He was deep. Composing. Behold, he stinketh. On the fourth day, Jesus commanded him to come out of the tomb. And he heard the call and came forth. Let me tell you what regeneration is. Regeneration is a greater miracle because regeneration gives us eternal life. It is unilateral, miraculous, and instantaneous. And regeneration affects the whole person, mind, will, and affection. So Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Jesus is a new creation. The old is gone, and new has come. Galatians 6, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What comes is a new creation. The life of God in the soul of man. Where a person who has been resurrected from the dead spiritually. 
Titus tells us Holy Spirit not only regenerates the dead. Holy Spirit also brings about renewal, sanctification. And sanctification is that gracious and continuous work of the Holy Spirit by which he delivers the justified sinner from the pollution of sin. Renews his whole nature in the image of God enabling him to perform good works. Friends, the regenerated are baptized. Water baptism is a sign and seal of the covenant. It is a sign pointing to the reality of the Spirit's new creation. No priest can give new life by means of an ex opere operato sacrament. Holy Spirit also sanctifies through the word of God. So we read Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind by the word of God. And Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Ephesians 5, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. He will not have a dirty church, an antinomian church. He will have a holy church. Holy Spirit makes us holy. 2 Corinthians 4, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This Holy Spirit, we are told, has been poured out upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Poured out abundantly, sir. He receives Holy Spirit from the Father. And he pours out upon the church. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And has poured out in the Greek abundantly. What you see and hear. Friends, Jesus Christ baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. He shall receive power to do good works. After that, the Holy Spirit is come upon you. May the Spirit of God be poured out upon us all. Making us competent. To do what God wants us to do. In abundance, Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the believer. And so he said, come unto me, drink from me. That rivers of living water may flow out of you. And Romans 5 verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. In the Greek, 
poured out in abundance. We are given lots of power, competence, ability. Without me you can do nothing, but with me you can do everything. And so Paul speaks about in Ephesians and his incomparably great power to us world who believe. You want to know how big this power is? Paul says, Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Within us, power of God works to do what God wants me to do, sir. And Colossians 1.29, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me, sir. And we read, therefore, Paul says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength continuously by his Holy Spirit if you are weak why don't you pray and ask God oh Lord pour out your spirit upon me he will give Holy Spirit to those who ask him those who ask him this Holy Spirit makes us even able to suffer martyrdom which is now taking place all over the world. Holy Spirit is poured out upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. He came to this world to seek and save the lost, to give his life a ransom for many. He is the Savior of the world, and he is the atoning sacrifice of the world. Titus 3, 4 through 7 in the Greek is one long sentence. A most grand summary of the theology of soteriology. In which all three persons of the Godhead participate. We dealt with the past, who we were. We dealt with the present, God saved us. And now we look into the future. That's the fourth point. God is speaking about our future. Hope for the future. In the past we all were wicked sinners. Total depravity. Paul included himself. Now God has saved us regenerated us, justified us and is sanctifying us God has poured out richly Holy Spirit upon us who washed us, regenerated us and he is renewing us now a glorious future waits for us and Titus 3, 7 says so that Having been justified by his grace, saved by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. 
he saved us in order that having been justified by his grace which is unmerited favor I said we merited hell he gave us heaven we merited eternal death he gave us eternal life having been justified by his grace we may become heirs based on the hope consisting in eternal life pastor's translation sir eternal life in its fullness that's what we are hoping we enjoy eternal life now but as a foretaste when we die in faith i don't know how you are going to die either you are going to die in faith or without faith we will have to wait and see professor john murray died in faith he said before he died have mercy upon me a sinner when we die in faith we will enjoy the second installment of this eternal life when our spirits will be made perfect to live in paradise with god and elect angels hebrews 12 and verse 23 he will transform our lowly bodies when he comes again that they will be like unto his glorious body then we shall enjoy the fullness of eternal life the third and final installment the great wedding feast that we read about revelation 19 christ's mission we read in the scriptures is to bring us to god to bring us to glory to conform us to the image of himself so we wait in eager expectation of the blessed hope titus 2:13 i translated wait in eager expectation of the blessed hope and epiphany of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ that's our great hope sir When he comes we shall share in his glory. So St Paul says Romans 5:1 through 3 therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand right now. and then he says and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god that's the future sir second thessalonians 2 but we ought always to thank god for you brothers loved by the lord because from the beginning that is from eternity from the beginning you see if you don't believe in jesus christ what does that mean sir that means you are wicked and a rebel but it also means you are not chosen from eternity to be saved you are objects of wrath prepared for destruction 
Romans 9, 22 and 23, and I believe the Bible cover to cover. Second Thessalonians 2, let me read it again. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, that is in eternity, before time, before creation, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. And everyone chosen from all eternity will believe the gospel. And they will all cry out and say, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Nothing in this world can save you. People are trusting in their education, in their money, in their pedigree, in their power. It cannot save you, sir. In verse 14 of 2 Thessalonians, he called you to this through our gospel. And now comes that you might share what's in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our destination. Glorification. Called, justified, and what's a glorified. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. Glory! That's what it is. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. Remember, Adam and Eve were kicked out. Now, finally, God is dwelling with us. And he will live with them. They'll be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's our future, sir. The unbelievers who refuse to surrender to our Lord Jesus Christ are without hope and without God in this world. They pretend, they smile, they pretend that they are the happiest. Let me tell you, it's a lie. They will be filled with dread at his coming. They will suffer eternal death. Matthew 25, 41, then he will, the Lord Jesus Christ, then he will say to those on his left, listen, sir, this is the word of Jesus Christ. Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angel. Prepared by whom? By Jesus Christ himself. Objects of wrath prepared for destruction. The day is coming. He will tell you, depart from me, you who are cursed. Curse or blessing. 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But we are people of sure and certain hope. Hope will not make us ashamed. We have been called justified in order to be what sir? Glorified. We shall share in the glory of Jesus Christ. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus died? That's the ground and basis of our salvation. Not our good works. Good works is the evidence that we have been justified. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life? He is at the right hand of God and is what sir? Praying for us. We are justified by his grace not by our righteousness. Thank God for grace. Amazing grace indeed. Thank God for the incomparable, unsearchable riches of God's grace. We are justified by his grace for the eternal praise of his grace. That's what we do in heaven. Grace, grace, grace. This grace made us heirs of God and joined heirs of Christ. We are told the son is the heir of all things. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. And in Jesus Christ we are also heirs of all things. Possess him by faith in Jesus Christ. You possess all things. And you are a fool if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. And be saved. You are the poorest person. In the whole world. Outside of Christ. Cursed. In Jesus Christ. We are heirs. Of a number of things. First is eternal life. Matthew 19. Verse 29. And everyone who has left houses. Or brothers or sisters. Or father or mother or children. Or fields for my sake. Will receive a hundred times as much. And will what sir? Inherit eternal life. And we inherit glory sir. We are heirs of eternal life. And we are heirs of glory. Romans 8 verse 17. Now if we are children then we are heirs. Heirs of God. And joined heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering. In order that we may share in his glory. We are heirs of God's grace. 
First Peter 3, 7, husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker vessel and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Heirs of grace. And not only that, we are heirs of blessing. 1 Peter 3, 9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with the blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. We have a great calling, great invitation to inherit all these things. Eternal life, glory, grace, blessing. And finally, Hebrews 1, 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? We inherit salvation. I say in its fullness. And the final point, the purpose of Christian life. Verse 8, which is to obey God. You see... There are Christianity, Christian preachers, false preachers masquerading as angels of light. They will say what? You can be a Christian without what, sir? Obedience. They are demon-possessed people. Purpose of Christian life is to obey God. We were wicked and disobedient before. Now we obey God. We know and do his will revealed where, sir? In the book. That's why we read the book every day. So what's the purpose of Christian life here? To do good works. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus is unto good works. Obedience, sir. Children, Obey your parents. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wife, be submissive to your own husband and so on. These are good works. Evidencing that you are now a Christian who experienced nothing less than regeneration. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, A pound. In good works. In 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19, Paul says to be rich in good works. Don't be poor in good works. Rich! When I read the Bible, it tells me the will of God and I do the will of God. Chapter 3, 4 through 7. Is one of the five faithful sayings. There are five of them in the pastoral epistle, first and second Timothy and Titus. In Titus one fifteen, here is a trustworthy saying, Pistos Hologos. Everything God says is trustworthy. And yet there are five things we are told. They are trustworthy saying. What is trustworthy? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I'm the worst. That's trustworthy. We all must say that. Christ Jesus. Why did he come sir? 
Still sinners. Only sinners. Worst sinners. And you ought to confess before God, I'm the worst sinner in the whole world. As Paul said. Or another faithful saying. 1 Timothy 4, 8 and 9 for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things. Hey, what about sports, sir? But here Paul says what? Physical training is of some value. But here is a faithful saying. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That statement. That godliness. Eusebia. Jesus Christ himself was characterized by Godliness, reverence toward God, working out our salvation house with fear and trembling. That's the use of bear. God said it, I believe it, and I do it eagerly. Friends, I challenge you to be rich in godliness because it is good for now and good for the world to come. Piety. Those who believe in the trustworthy gospel stated in chapter 3, 4 through 7 must be careful to devote themselves to obey God's will in doing God's good works. And where do you find good works? In the scripture, Christ our Lord discloses his will for us to do them. If you hear these words of mine and do them. I will liken you to a wise man who built his house upon the rock and is stood. A true believer is an obedient believer. Titus is commanded to declare this gospel with conviction, boldness, and with all authority. I don't like pastors who beg. I am here to command. I command in the name of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I command that if you are a believer, be rich in what, sir? Good works. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel, which alone has the power to save sinners. Nothing else can save sinners. The gospel is the dunamis to you, the power of God under salvation for everyone who believes. The Cretan Christians must live spirit-transformed lives. Cretans are known for what, sir? They are liars, evil broods, lazy gluttons. And these people came out of them. And they must now demonstrate radical transformation in their lives. Former liars must tell truth. Former thieves must work hard to give to those in need. God demands radical obedience from his people. Pagans live a sinful, self-centered, anti-social life. 
Believers are to live a spirit-filled and word-regulated life marked by obedience to the one who loves us and gave himself for us. Deuteronomy 6.18 Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Don't come and tell me what everybody else said. The question is What does the Bible say? What does God say? What does our Lord Jesus Christ say? Show me in the book and I'll do it. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land and so on. I said I'm a blessed person. It's my prayer that you will be also what's a blessed people. Blessed people are obedient people. Those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Follow the Bible. Galatians 5.16 So I say live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's a guarantee. Since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit. Acts 5.32, we are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who want to obey him. That should settle the whole argument. Do you obey God? Do you obey parents? Do you obey pastors? Do you obey teacher? Unbelievers are unfit for any good work. Titus 1.16 Unfit, sir. Even there the Greek word is excrement. These are people who can be called what? Excrement. Oh, they are dressed with purple and this and that and pretending to be somebody when Bible says you are what, sir? Excrement. You are stank pretending to be somebody. When God sees you You are stench in his nostrils. But believers are fit by the work of the Holy Spirit to do what, sir, every good work. And there are several scriptures that speak of good works. Doctor, would you come and at least say a few words about good works? Various scriptures, Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, receive into your home and supply all the needs of a gospel minister. From Matthew 25, 35 and 36, feed the hungry, give a cup of cool water to the thirsty, welcome strangers into your home, provide clothes to those in need, attend to the sick, visit those in prison. Romans 12, 13, share with believers in need, open your home to God's people. From Acts chapter 2, they sold their possessions and goods and gave to any believer as he had need. Eat together in your homes with glad and sincere hearts. From Acts chapter 4, agree with God's people in heart and mind. Do not claim anything as your own, but share everything. From Acts chapter 6, provide daily food for needy widows among God's people without racial discrimination. Hebrews 13, 1 through 3. Love one another as brothers, host strangers, sympathize with and support those who are in prison and those who are suffering. 
First Peter 4.9, freely and sincerely welcome people into your home. John 13, verses 5, 12, and 14, wash one another's feet. Do the lowest and most menial service for one another. Luke 7, 44 through 46, serve one another with great love. The sinful woman whom Jesus forgave washed Jesus' feet with her tears, wiped his feet with her hair, kissed his feet, and poured perfume on his feet. 1 John 3, 16 and 17, lay down your life for your brothers. Provide from your own resources for those with material needs. 1 Timothy 5, 8 through 10, men, provide for your family. Women, be faithful to your husbands. Raise godly children. Show hospitality, wash the feet of the saints, help those in trouble, and devote yourself to all kinds of good deeds. Titus 3.14, faithfully provide for your family and their daily needs. Be productive. From Luke 3, verses 10 through 14, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Do not abuse your power or authority. Tax collectors collect only what you are required to. Soldiers don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Third John, verses 5 through 8. Welcome those who are laboring for the gospel and supply them with provisions as they go. Ephesians 5, 9. Live as children of light in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your husbands. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. You see, that's not an exhaustive list, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you. The good works you should do in your life situation. Doing good works is demanded of every believer. It's a must your good works of obedience is the evidence, as I said already, that God has saved you. He saved us. Bear in mind Paul's teaching on the dynamic of biblical ethic. Where did you find that, sir? Murray's, that's right. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be my witnesses. Or Philippians 2, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For, here is the dynamic, it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. He who saved us by grace he will also give you grace to do good works. Grace works. Good works. So, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work by God's grace. 
God's dynamic. And what do you think? You think grace is not sufficient? Listen to what Jesus said. My grace is what sir? Sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And you want grace sir? Let me tell you. Get rid of arrogance. Get rid of pride. I said pride is the cork. That empty bottle is now corked with pride. And it can be thrown into the river of clean water. But nothing will enter in. That's the problem with arrogance. Let me tell you. God opposes the proud. But give grace to the humble. Thank God for God's grace. Grace saved us. And grace will help us. To do what God demands of us. Heavenly Father we pray that you help us to cry out to you that you may save us. And those who are saved, Lord help us to prove our salvation by obedience. Help us to abound in good works. Help us, O Lord, to shine as stars in the universe. You said we are the light of the world. Lord, help us to reveal to the world through our life that we are different. That they may hear what we have to say about the gospel. Amen.